Welcome to episode 43 of For the Love of Guns. My name is Jason Schaller and I'm your host. It's my pleasure to welcome Chad Wiley from Palmetto State Armory onto the podcast today. Now, I learned a lot from Chad. Originally, we were just talking about shooting and stuff like that, and then we got into the manufacturing, and, well, I learned a lot from Chad of just the manufacturing process in firearms. And I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. And before I talk to Chad, we've got to pay the bills. This episode is brought to you by, well, you. You're the reason that I can continue to bring content, and I need your help to continue my mission of bringing good quality content for you to watch or listen. Just go to my website, www.trb.fyi, and there's banners and, and ads and stuff like that. If you click on that, a small portion of your purchase will come back to the channel. But the greatest thing is, it won't cost you one penny. That's right. It's not going to cost you any more than you were already going to spend. Now, if you'd like to see all the vendors that have partnered with me, if you go up in the menu, you'll see partners. Click on that. You'll see all the partners that I have. From there, you can click and go directly to their webpage without having to look for the correct banner. With the bills paid, let's talk to Chad. Chad, tell me about your love of guns. Yeah, hey, I'm Chad Wiley. I'm the CEO of Palmetto State Armory. been with the company for about six years now. Um, half of that time was with the technology department now i'm uh ceo running all the day-to-day -day operations of, of psa as a whole um, don't really reach into our sister companies but um, psa is kind of my baby right now so now you're also a competition shooter correctly right? i am yep yep done that way before this probably now 20 probably 20 years ish Anything from USPSA, IDPA, regular PCC matches, two-gun, three-gun, PRS, DMR, we're doing it. Man, my shooting you, uh, partners, we do it all. You, you bit you bit the uh, competition bug pretty hard. We do it. It's, it's rare. We're, we we laugh. We're, we're pretty good at all of it. We're not great at any of it right now. I'm, we've all got our strong suits, but yeah. – um, you know, we, we wanted to be wherever wherever people are shooting at, we wanted to be. And I think a lot of people focus on one um, one specific group or one one organization to shoot, whether it's USPSA or PRS or three gun. And so a lot of the three gunners, when they slow down, they move over to PRS and advice, you know, different things. But um, we've pretty much wherever there's a local match at, we, we go and hit it. We've got the gear to go out to, to be competitive at it and. Um, don't get to spend as much time practicing a single discipline, but overall, I think it makes you a better shooter. So we're even doing um, rimfire twenty-two now. So that's cool. Long, long range twenty-two. That's really cool because that that's kind of a that that that's twenty-two is a fun caliber to shoot. Mm -hmm. And then you know when you start going out to distance with it. You got to really kind of pay attention to what you're doing because those bullets are light and wind affects them really so easily I, I i was talking to somebody the other day and um <clears throat> i didn't realize how little i knew about long distance ballistics and the not not just from a shooting perspective that's the easy part it's the understanding and and, and manipulation of data and yeah. the 22 kind of rears its ugly ugly head when you get in the um truing and standard dry, drag functions and 
how your impact point impact shifts based on your caliber. It doesn't ballistic advantage don't tell you everything. And I think yeah. when we were doing we do DMR, which is 750 and less, typically around the 500 range. Um, and I'll use gas gun 223 or six millimeter Creedmoor. And then on on PRS, you're getting more out to 12, 13, 1400 yards. Centerfire doesn't have the same personality as um, yeah. as 22 long rifle. So when you true, if you're familiar with that that concept, when you true a gun to your to your load at your distance, whatever that is, right before transonic, um, the ballistics apps will typically keep that profile range pretty linear, and and it, it it'll get you on a plate at MOA plates up to a you know 12, 13 yards. With 22s, you can have a a true at 100 and two, true at a 200, and it'll have you know half a mil difference, and that's huge when you're shooting at yeah. you know, four and five inch targets. So then you have to learn how to do this, the drag functions. I mean, it's just there's so much understanding and, and data that goes behind the 22s that I don't think we ever, you know, went into or never had a real problem with. We may have had a problem with. We just didn't know when we were shooting 223 and, and some of the other centerfire yeah. cartridges that just humbled <laughs> me and two or three other guys when we started. We treated it like we would if we was going to a DMR match. We try to hit a five inch plate at 300 yards with 22 and it's, it's you, you, you have to there's there's more knowledge out there that you got to obtain to be able to do that so um luckily yeah. we, luckily we've got some of the top 22 prs shooters in the country um within about an hour's drive of us and they all you know we all hang out and, and that kind of thing so we're learning from them and then some of those guys are, are transferring over shooting uspsa which is kind of my Steel Challenge and, and USPSA, the yeah. speed stuff was my forte. So it, it's neat. We're trying to introduce people to new sports and introduce, you know, my, even ourselves to new sports and that kind of thing. So um, that 22, though, if you get a chance to do it, it's relatively inexpensive. You can get into production for about $1,500. Open, you're getting into the six, seven, eight, nine thousand dollars $9,000 voodoos and things like that. But I, yeah. I, I run a production gun. And um, really, it's a trainer tool for what we're going to do, which is primary sniper challenges and that kind of thing for the, for the center fire. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's been, it's been fun. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I was talking to um, another content creator yesterday. He actually lives actually in, in the Valley here with me. Um, and uh, so he's a PRS shooter and he's, he's a long range guy. And we got talking and, and, you know, he's talking about this stuff and, I, and I'm, I'm just kind of laughing. He's like, what? I go, I am such a lazy shooter. That's, <laughs> that's why I don't shoot those things. That's, yeah. that's why pistols are kind of my thing, right? Because really there's not a whole lot of thought that goes into pistol shooting when you talk about ballistics. I've right. got to get, I got a ring steel or I got to knock a plate over or I got to put a hole in paper. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's, those are my choices, right? Right. And, and my longest shot is going to be what, thirty yards? Typically, so. we, we've had some. Um, we 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 sponsor, and now we're hosting uh, Carolina Shooters Group, which is myself and a couple of my shooting partners I've, I've known forever. Um, host one of the major series sniper series matches around the area, and um, the first set of those matches that we went to, we were shooting pistol targets, you know, six inch plates at. 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 yards um, as part of his sniper match, which we kind of toned that down a little bit. 
But um, yeah, we we we've had even in those matches in some of the long range matches, we've had some pretty challenging pistol shots. So it's not only a test of, and you're on the clock, you got 90 seconds to complete the stage. If you're a bad pistol shot, a lot of times you it it wreck your because you're rushing. You don't ever want to rush on a rifle. I mean, that's just not no. At little targets at distance, that's that's not where you make your time up. So kind of forced you into getting good with a pistol because um, a lot of the PRS guys, they don't, I mean, they're not bad pistol shots by any means, but they're not USPSA open through, you know, grandmasters. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's kind of the thing. And that, it, with pistol, you know, pistol is a speed sport. Like you were saying before, you know, for me, I started off in GSSF when I was 21 Yep. Um, that led into uh, IPSC and then uh, settling into USPSA. Mm-hmm. Um, love Steel Challenge. That mm-hmm. it's just such a Steel Challenge is such a fast game. Right. Um, and then yeah, it kind of led into Three Gun, um, yep. and that's where you know that's where I find my weakness because I'm a pistol guy who who wants to be a rifle guy. Um, like right. I said before, I'm a lazy, I'm a lazy shooter. So unless everything's dialed in for me, um, thinking on the fly is just not my thing on a rifle. And right. we were, I was talking to this guy, you know, cause we're, we're talking about going, uh, going out to the range. He's, he, he's got a new PRS rifle mm-hmm. and, um, I'm just like, yeah, you're going to do all the math for me, man. I'm not going to be doing that math. Uh, if so, you, get to, <laughs> you get the right data, uh, right app. I use Streelock Pro, um, and a 5,700 Kestrel. And uh, it, it'll pretty much with centerfire. It'll if you can true it like my five my five five six. I true it two hundred yards. I'm good to six. It's it's going to hit MOA at six hundred yards all day long, and that's about all we'll ever do with that gun. So the ballistics advantage or the uh, applied ballistics. I keep saying ballistics advantage. That's a barrel company. Applied ballistics. Um, applied ballistics can handle a lot of that data for you, so you don't have to really think. Now I've shot it so much i remember my my dial for 100 yard increments so if i get close to within 200 yards 300 yards 400 yards 500 yards i know about where it's at so it just keeps me from having to look at i'm looking at tents and not whole numbers yeah if if i'm going to 400 i know i think it's 2.7 so i know two and a half and then look at my data and i know two tents so it's kind of a it's it seems like a lot of work, but when you start doing it, it, it starts clicking. I was an MOA guy. I, you couldn't convince me that MOA was easier or, or not, wasn't the easiest to learn. Yeah. And uh, all the guys around me was like, "Hey, oh, you got to go. You got to go MRAD. You got to go MRAD." And I went to went to MRAD, and all my MOA scopes are in the closet and and put up. So <laughs> never, once, once, never you back. once you understand it, yeah, once you understand it, you, it's it's so much more efficient you know, to, to do little things and stuff you wouldn't know unless you went out and, and did it. You know, it's, um, it's just part of that game. It's like anything else. USPSA, you just said it, you got to have the gear, you got to have the belt, you got to have the speed holster. You got to have all that gear that you have to have translates into each one of these sports. Cause at the end of the day, it's, it's a game. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's why I say like steel challenge is a fast game. Cause that's mm-hmm. what it is. It's, you know, there's your, you're going through, you have a strategy. You're going, you're going to play the game to get through. Yep. Um, and still challenge. I, I give them these guys kudos. I, I don't know how much you shot. I got really big into it about probably five years ago. My little boy 
<clears throat> I went through a time where I shot forever and then I slowed down a lot because he played baseball and I coached that team. And then he, he, as he got older, he wanted to go do it. So we started doing steel challenge. That was the easy way to get into it. And I took it a little bit too serious. We were traveling, going all over the place, doing world speed. <laughs> big time. I, I had a world speed record at one time on PCCI for smoking hope. I mean, we, we, I was trying, you know, we were, we were in the steel challenge game and uh, some of the legends of the game, you know, Steve Foster, Ron Oliver, all those guys from yeah. around my time period, we used to see in PCC a, a 74 second match was like, wow. You know, and, and yeah. center fire, those guys were running eighties and nineties. It was like, man, this is smoking. You know, I'll never shoot a match that fast. 74 seconds. That's terrible. Grant Kunkel. Um, I happen to know him and his father. He was one of the first people I think I've ever shot with at a major match at steel challenge was those guys. And he was a little kid, you know, coming up, ended up putting him on the team, him and Cole Bush. And uh, those guys are in the 50s. Um, I, I think he shot PCC this last year in a 55 or something. So it's it's evolved by 25 seconds. You think about it, that's eight stages, right? Four, well, it's four strings. You really got five strings per stage, you yep. know, of five shots in 55 seconds some of his splits were close to single digits wow <laughs> that's that's, I mean, that's where it's evolved to I, there's some hypothetical questions on you know where does the ceiling hit because well, yeah, mechanically right mechanically your body yeah, can physics, physics at that point right yeah. i want to say they're saying so before foley left uspsa he and I shot together a lot. He's just up in Tennessee. And we were we were talking about how would you come to the conclusion of what the fastest piece, you know, what's, what's the fastest time to shoot steel challenge ever. So the way we did it then, a couple of years ago, was we took the fastest, the world speed records on every stage. What What's, what's the fastest time ever produced? And I think we came up with like 57.8. That was two years ago. Um, they've already busted that. Yeah. Now it's hypothetically, I've heard it was like 50, 49, 50. Somebody will do it. There's a um, couple little kids that are coming through now. That's just absolutely amazing. I tell people, if you don't want to get showed up by a 13 year old girl, <laughs> don't show up to a steel challenge match. <laughs> you want to, this 22 will humble you. The DMR will humble you. Nothing humbles you yeah. like showing up and getting just wore out by somebody who hadn't hit puberty. So, um, <laughs> it, it, it will happen. I, I guarantee you, there's some fat, those kids are fun. I wish I would have had the opportunity they have. I'd walk up and thank their parents every time I see them. I know all of them. And, uh, just the parents are behind them, supporting them, you know, the amount of money they invest in these kids and all. And that's, you think about it and I've watched it. Um, that's your future AMU shooters. That's your future Max yep. Michelle's and and yep. JJ and all that. That's that's we're we're getting to see in real time the top shooters in the country. Um, how, the how they, how they, right? How they how they come to be? Max and those guys didn't have. I mean, they they no. were young age, but nothing like this. I mean, this these no. kids are home. Some of them's homeschooled. And they they practice train you know three four hours a day at the house in their so, backyard. In the backyard, yeah. right? Cole, Cole yeah. was that way. He was training. He wanted to be a. Um, he was going in the Air Force, and his mom and dad homeschooled him. And he, his daddy's amazing. Gave him all the, 
you know, leeway in the world of practice and everything. And he was one of the top five, you know, world competitors for a long time in multiple divisions. We were all, I think it's been broken now, but you know, the club 13, you know, we kind of invented that. I did challenge coins for it where you were classified in all 13 um, divisions. And those guys were all trying to fight for who was going to be the first grandmaster in all 13 divisions. And I stopped somewhere like at six or seven. I just, revolvers and, yeah. and single yeah. stuff all that. Yeah, but now they're i mean there's 10 we were like 10 shooters out of the whole organization that had over five and now they're averaging like eight or nine grandmasters you know in all certifications the times are getting faster it's it's yeah. amazing it's amazing to see i don't do it as much because i got so much other stuff going on and i like being a little bit more physical than just you know standing still now but um, yeah, it's it's amazing to see what that organization's evolved into. It's it will blow your mind to go back now and watch kids at the World Speed Shoot and the times they put up. It's crazy. I mean, I think about you know, I think about my best times the Steel Challenge. They're with twenty twos, mm -hmm. and these kids will smoke me with a nine millimeter. Right. Yeah. The piece. And it's there's an anomaly with that too, and we've talked about it. Um, for whatever reason, all of us, when I say all of us, there was a, a let's not call it the top five in, in some of them, but let's say the 10 through 20 pack, you know, the top 20 shooters. Um, and at the time, we, we, myself, Ron, Chase, all those, we all were, we could pretty much shoot the PCCs as fast or faster than the 22s, which it, the only thing I could ever think of is you try to overpower a 22 maybe because it's so light, you got to let it float. Yeah. Um, but some of my best times have always been faster with a PCC than, than 22, which I help, I think helped translate when I moved to USPSA PCC. Um, it just, a little heavier gun never really bothered me than those little kids yeah. that are doing it. The light gun, man, they're just, they'll wear you out, you know, <laughs> for a normal guy that was finishing. Eh, okay. Um, the PCCs were always quicker for me. Just maybe I was used to a better, you know, bigger rifle or something, but. Be. It's it's now, odd to see how that stuff translate sometimes. Now you were in history. How did you get into shooting? I mean, this is this something you picked up one day, or no? I came I came home from the navy. Was working in um, uh, electronics facility and was approached by a really good friend I grew up with. He's like, hey, you know, if you you're bored doing what you're doing, you know, come work at the sheriff's department for a little while. You know, be a reserve. Moved over and was a reserve for Chucky County Sheriff's Department for probably eight or nine years. We did, was on, you know, help stand up a dive team. We helped do some um, the the forensics, the child electronics. Because my other background is being IT. Um, worked with them, did a lot of their IT work, helped put, you know, camera systems in the cars and the remote data packages when they came in, to, when the cars would pull in. So I did a lot of work in law enforcement. Um which put me a little bit, you know, around the gun guys, if you will. A lot of those guys don't shoot. But there's one guy there, Mike Gibson, um, whose best friend was a guy that I knew, Ken Moore. I knew Mike forever, didn't really know Ken. Um, which, coincidentally, the three of us would end up pretty much introducing one of the top shooters in the country to this day to his first match. But uh, they – Saw me and was like, hey, Chad, you know, shoot a little bit. You know, come to this match. First thing we went to was an IDPA match. 
Um, so my introduction was to a detective and his buddy to go to an IDPA match. And then we started going to GSSF matches as law enforcement teams because Ken was a sure. reserve too. Um, and then we met Clint Upchurch. If you know him, he was on Top Shot. Um, right, he shot for Freedom and shot for Colt for a long time. He's lives 30 minutes from me. We knew each other forever. Um, he ended up being way better than all of us combined and went on to do national shooting sports and all. But just basically through friends coming home, you know, being in, in, involved with the law enforcement side of it. I, I was promoted into an executive leadership role, and the, the manager of that company didn't feel comfortable with me being a free police. Um, so she kind of yeah. just persuaded kind of against it. And I, I'd had kids and the, the environment was changing. You used to go in and handle things with your hands and then people got to where they want to pull a gun on you all the time. And you just, I couldn't yeah. afford to do that full time. I'd love to have done it full time. It, I love it. I'd still go back and do it, but I just couldn't afford the level of pay cut you get from an IT job to, to that, especially with two young kids and, and uh, daycare yeah. and all that. It just it, it wasn't in the cards. And then, <clears throat> but the shooting thing, it of course transcended that. We had a lot of friends and whatnot. That we got into it over the way, and I met a lot of good shooters. The guy who runs Lead Star for me is one of the first people I'd ever shot with, Mike Sexton. He was a real well known in the three gun world. Um, he's one of the original, you know, beginning guys in yep. that that pool. So, um. That's that's where it all started. It was just a casual conversation on a ride along with a share uh, uh, detective that I'd known. Not really was like best friends with him or anything. I knew him from high school and, and whatnot. But he and I kind of started hanging out, and he invited me, and here I am. Now, before we talk talk about PSA, uh -huh. which you know you're the CEO of, mm -hmm. I do want to thank you for your service. Thank you oh, for thank you. serving in the military. Mm -hmm. Now. Now PSA had some pretty humble beginnings. I mean, it started in the in a garage. It did. Started in Jamin's garage um, roughly 11, 12 years ago. Um, the way the story goes, he can tell it better. But uh, he was getting ammo, selling ammo, going back and forth with that kind of thing, and then um, some parts came in buffer tubes or, or stocks or something. I can't remember the exact part, but his, the guy, his number two, three employees still with us today, Jonathan, um, he was doing the web development, the web app stuff. That's what he wanted to do as a young kid, you know, just trying to help out neighbors to, to Jamin. And uh, Jamin, I think Jamin tried to return it. Hey, you sent me this wrong item. The guy was like, I oh, keep it. You know, it's not worth sending back. Put them online, sold them almost immediately. <laughs> ordered some more, put them online, sold them. And then it kind of evolved from ammo into gun parts. And then from gun parts, it went into gun assemblies like uppers. And then somewhere around that time frame, he got his variants and, and started doing lowers and then complete guns. And then now we've evolved into um, the operating structure that we have now, which is kind of hard I can go into a little bit of detail, but if I go too dark, too deep into detail, yes. confuse everybody. We have a parent company. PSA is one of the children, the children of that parent company, and then Jamin started a, um, a acquisition program with some of the suppliers that we were using because as a as a small fish in a big pond, 
he would oftentimes get cut off. You know, hey, I want to get barrels. I need buffers. I need bolts. Well, you're competing against machine resource time from like Smith and Wesson, whoever's whatever those companies yeah. are that's that's consuming those goods too. You're a small fish. You don't get the lion's share of the, the production. Yeah. So yeah. He, I, as he started working through the production, he he started acquiring you know, production facilities, the production facilities were shoulder to shoulder with PSA. And then he moved up as the CEO of the holding company and then put people like me in charge of each one of the children. So, I mean, he's very, don't get me wrong. He's very, very involved with PSA. He's still probably more involved with PSA sometimes than, than any of the other companies. Um, just because this was his, I mean, I, his I, child. Have share, I have to share space. It's his baby. I mean, it's yeah. smart enough to know that, you know, if I started something from scratch, I'd still want to be involved and make sure it grows and whatnot. We have, we're, we're huge. I mean, the, 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 just in the short time that I've been here, we've tripled, quadrupled. So, um, yeah, it's, it's yeah. literally started out him peddling ammo in the garage on a website. And then it just kind of cascaded into this powerhouse that we are We people. I don't think people still understand how big the JJE family of, of organizations is, and it's not a holding company. It's a private holding company between three friends. Um, there's no board of directors that are just about yeah. the money or just about this or just about that. Um, it's Jamin, the founder and, and two friends that he brought along the way. And um, all of us at the, the, the ancillary level that, that manage it. Well, it's funny that you brought up the, the money thing because mm-hmm. there is going to, it actually leads into, into something. Um, I have a quote here from Jamin. It's right off your website. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen what society looks like when it falls apart. It's really, really bad. That's why our mission is to maximize freedom, not our profits. Right. We want to sell as many AR-15 and AK-47 rifles as we can, not to make massive amount of money, but to put them into common use in America today. Yep. So you know, we don't. That's that's a pretty powerful statement for a mission of a company. Yeah, he um, there's there's a lot to that. He, you know, he he really believes that for one one reason. We have he's the most customer. Sometimes to a point where it's 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 maddening how customer focused we we look at each individual you know person. That, but it's it's good too. I mean, it's it's something that the industry don't do. I'm on Facebook. I've got I'm on every one of the social media groups. I have people text me at eight, nine o'clock at night, you know, having, and I, and I don't mind it because I'm not a typical golf playing type CEO. You know, I'm, they know me because I go to matches with them. They see the videos. I'm in pictures. I'm, they see the match results. They see the matches we hold. I'm kind of well known, you know, for the shooting piece of it. It's kind of cool that, that I do the business management side of it as well, but um, he's, he's very active as well too. It's just, for me, I can, I can look at everything objectively, and and you know, it's hard yeah. when you when it's your baby. Somebody calls you baby ugly. Oh, yeah. It's really, really personal. It's tough, right? Yeah. Even, some of it even bothers me. I get because you know I'm you hear some of the just as good and you know poor state army and all that stuff. It kind of aggravates me because we if you really deep if you dig deep down inside, you know, very few companies are doing what doing what we're doing as far as innovation do we have hiccups yeah but we're we're innovating i mean we're we have some clone stuff but like this jackal um 
that that's not something that was just you know off yeah. the shelf somebody cloned or whatever i mean there was a lot of development that went into it the dagger for what it is you know it's a clone you know of, of sorts but the completely redesigned lower half i mean i the ergonomics of that gun is is probably some of the best i've felt in a striker fired pistol to be honest with you the five and that's seven, kind of fun. yeah yeah the five seven which the is five another seven's kind huge. of a, a unique thing and to be honest with you like some of these ak's um there's not a lot of post samples floating around that you can copy nobody's yeah. got the tdp you know it's not like you can go on an obscure link on rfcom and find the old cold m4 tdp which you know floats around from time to time there's no data package on the AKs, um, so you pretty much have maybe a sample or two samples or pictures like the the AKV, for instance. We didn't have a Vichas, never seen one. It's ne- there's never been one in this build. All they did was take pictures and and you know things that they found online. Vickers had shot one. We looked at that, looked at steels, kind of to get an idea of the look of it. But we knew that there were some improvements we wanted to make. Um, so there was some innovation there with the steel magwell, with the, the the CZ Scorpion pattern magazine that we actually went and had the metal feed lips in. We knew that there were some flaws with the plastic, total plastic feed lip design. So there, there's even though it was a copy of a gun, it really wasn't. It was kind of like our take of a copy of a gun on, on yeah. some improvements. And that, that thing does extremely well. So um, it's, and it's that's one of the things. That's Go one ahead. of the things about PSA that I always thought was interesting is it wasn't you're not trying to make copies right i mean you're we do you're trying to make it right we do sometimes yeah. i'm gonna say we're not we're not doing a you know we're, we're not just excluding that we're trying to do what the customer wants really and right it was obvious those things were, were what the five seven to me when i first heard about it i was like eh, you know i just i <laughs> i didn't yeah. want that. like it is it, jamin that's the thing he wanted. He named it after the other owner, Ed LaRock. It's called The Rock. Um, he was, I just, I never, I hate to say this, I just didn't think it would sell. And, um, you know, it, and it has. It's selling really well. But when I grabbed the gun, it, it's cool that I felt that way. There's two things I've been surprised about. My love for an AK. I'll tell that story in a second. And then the 5.7, because the 5.7, um, I just didn't think people wanted it. And the guy who designed it put it in my hand when it was done. And I went and shot it and I had to get one immediately. I didn't even realize I wanted it. it the trigger's phenomenal. The grip angle's amazing. It cycles like butter. I mean, I, it, it's a weird, a, a odd caliber to carry and, and all that kind of thing. But I mean, it's, that little gun is phenomenal. I, I want a small version of that in nine millimeter with that trigger, his trigger design. And that is a custom trigger design that, that Jason, the, the designer at the time did. Um, it's, it's phenomenal. I mean, I don't know if you've been able to play one yet. Josiah's got you one. Not, no, not, no, I haven't had a chance I'm, to play with a five, seven. I want that trigger and a dagger. And if, if you feel it, you'll know, if you compare the two, you'll, you'll, the people at shot show is like, yeah, you need to figure that out. I mean, that's, I don't know what he did here, but it needs to be there. Um, and that's, that's fairly unique. So yeah, it's not, it's not necessarily a clone. And that's one of the things, um, you know, you brought shot show up is when I was at the PSA booth at shot. Um, that's one of the things for me, when you guys came out with a dagger, mm-hmm. you know, and I was like, okay, it's, it's a, it's another Glock, 
Yep. That's what kind of went through my mind. You know, seeing all the the, the pictures that were coming out, pre-production pictures, I'm like, okay, it's another Glock. But then I got my hands on it at the booth. And, you know, I originally started competing with Glock. That's mm -hmm. how I got into GSSF. On my, on my 21st birthday, I bought a Glock 17. Inside the Tupperware was, you know, GSSF. I'm like, okay, well, that sounds kind of cool. Let me go do that. Um, but the problem with a Glock is, is, you know, the 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 small frame glocks they're as ergonomic as a two by four the yep. large frame glocks are as ergonomic as a four by four right um ergonomics are just not there they, they'll shoot all day long they're they're mm -hmm. great guns but for me um you know you're an it you, you know and for me i've been banging on a keyboard since well i was little um right and i started learning i started learning on a commodore pet in 1980. right um and ergonomics become a thing in IT, you know, carpal tunnel starts setting. Right. Um, I had to give up. I had to give up Glocks just because of the ergonomics. That's mm -hmm. uh, I ended up in SIGs, so I got a chance to actually get my hands on a dagger, and I'm like, that's different. Mm -hmm. There, there. This is different. They, this is not just another Glock. I mean, uh, striker fire is striker fire. There's only so many different right. ways you can do a striker fire gun. Correct. But that's what I that's what really started impressing me was, OK, they did something different with the dagger. Mm -hmm. um, now I see, you know, not that I didn't see it before, but now it, 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 until you get your hands on one, you don't really understand. Right. Yeah. The er ergonomics are key and that. They, he did a good job. Um, when you put it in your hand, you, you feel a, a immediate difference. I'm I started out shooting 1911s. Um, CDP single stack and not Glocks did that in law enforcement, but just for qualification reasons or whatever. But um, I tend to want to aim down and have to pull up when I'm shooting a Glock. Yep. If I do a Glock match or if I'm shooting like a two gun match or whatever, and I just need a gun and I can pull through the mud and shoot at a target five yards. I always have to the day before if I'm when I was shooting Glocks, I'll shoot a dagger now, but I'd have to pull practice my point of aim. Um, because I'd always aim low and then have to readjust my sights. And the dagger split that distance out enough to where you don't have to do that. It's kind of a natural point of aim. Like to me, like a 1911 is, it's hard to, it's hard to copy a 1911. I sound what? like a flood, but it's, it's, no, it's, it's, it's it, okay. it, I get the trigger, it. The, the triggers and the grip angle in a 1911 is unmatched. I don't, I'll argue that. With it is. I mean, that's, and that's the thing. It's like, for me, I didn't get into 1911s till later in life. Mm -hmm. um, my first 1911 was um, the the Ruger, the Ruger right. SR 1911 when they came out. Cause I, I was an FFL at the time. So I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm going to get one of those in. Why not? And then that's, that's what started my love of 1911s at that point. Yep. Because, you know, I, before I was, I was like 1911 was a FUD gun. I did. Yep. Um, you know, I want to, you know, I, I want the new, I want the new. And then that SR 1911 changed, changed my life of 1911s. And then it, it's one of those things is it, you, you draw, you draw a gun. Some guns just point and 1911 does that. Mm -hmm. Um, a Glock, you, I have to, I have to chase sights a little bit. Um, my SIGs, <laughs> I started chasing my sights until I learned you know, until I built the muscle memory up, but yeah, it's, I agree with you on that. And yeah, well, I mean, we're still, that's when you really learn about ergonomics, right? We're, we're knocking on 2023's door and 
some of the top shooters in the country and open still use a 1911 derivative of 2011 or something. Yep. Um, that, it, it, because they work, the triggers are unmatched. They're easy. The sear engagement, the way you can polish them, clean them, all that's a lot better than having to try to modify some of the striker fire guns. Cause we've had, I, I tried to run an open Glock years ago and I, I never could. It, I know people that do it now, but I couldn't hardly ever get it to run just because the locking features and just yep, it, it wasn't was designed. It, was different. it wasn't a 1911. Yeah. 1911s you can do just about whatever you want to. You can run a 1911 without a recoil spring. Yeah, it, it'll shoot. Yeah. It doesn't. Ba- I mean, it just it is what it is. That, that, those guns, hundred years old, whatever. Grandpa Fudd, call me whatever, but the guy was a genius it's, that come up with that. Brand yeah, and that's. Brownie was he was he was an absolute genius when he came out yeah, with that, and 100%. that's what I kind of liked it with the dagger. And now you guys have the micro dagger kind of in in the works. Um, that is like you know the when I got my hands on that shot and just kind of felt it, I'm just like, okay, this is different. This is you know how did in my in my mind I'm sitting and go how did how did Glock not see this right? I mean. Yeah, he was a genius of polymers and stuff like that. But I mean, well, there, if you look at the time, still ergonomics to him. He he was a genius. He was a genius in simplicity. You know, and if yes. you look yeah. at Gaston, if you look at the, the Glock story, and I, I was a Glock armor. You know, I, I've been through the, that whole genre, and I, I appreciate them for what they are. It's just I prefer that nineteen eleven style grip angle and, yeah. and yada yada yada. It's just from where I, my raising was, if you will. But you got to give credit where credit's due. That was, he's the master of perfection and simplicity. And yep. he wanted to have a low number of parts. He wanted to be maintained in the field. He wanted it to be manageable. He wanted to be able to be reliable. He wanted to be moderately accurate. That gun's not a, like, you know, it's not the most accurate gun in the world. They shoot really well and they are accurate, but they're not like hole so, for hole at 20 yards. And they're not supposed to. They go bang every time. Yeah, you want to shoot a man sized target in the chest or the head and be done with it. But, um, yeah. The, the Glock perfection isn't about the perfect gun. The Glock yeah. perfection was about the perfection of the parts inside the gun, and they do that amazing, and they have for years. And those guns work, you know. They, they're just they just work. I mean, it, it is what it to, is. To give you an idea, your Glock armor. Um, mm-hmm. Have you ever taken an M9 or a Breda 92 apart? Yes. Take a Ruger. About a billion, take, take a about, oh Ruger. Yeah, there you go. Take a Ruger. There's about a billion parts apart. in those things. <laughs> I get people because my my son and my race gun in twenty two for steel challenge was a little Ruger's and um, I, I, I to this day I get people that'll bring me a Ziploc bag um, <laughs> full of parts and they're like hey can you get this thing together it's the it's the main stri- spring that people can't manipulate yeah. get get back together but um, yeah there's a lot of yeah. guns out there that's just I, there's no I, I struggle with it and I've played with guns my whole life so. It's there. The design at the time when that gun was released, you know, it was very, very, it was to me, a lot of people, they joked about it. It was ugly. It was plastic. It was this, it was that, it was all that. You put it together and it's like, man, this thing is from a design standpoint, looking back at it, you know, 25, 30 years later, it's like, man, that, that thing, that's like the 1911 of striker fired polymer guns. Really? Yeah. If you think about it. It's getting oh, it's getting a little long in the tooth too, you know. But it's well, everybody's copying it, just like <laughs> yeah. And, and that's and that's kind of the problem, you know. That's kind of the problem with Glock is that 
they're not really innovating. I mean, yeah, you have the Gen 5 where they're coming out with ambidextrous slide release and stuff like that. Right. But even then, it's still the same design. It's not really innovating much. I mean, we changed, you know, think we went to finger grooves, then we took finger grooves away again. And right. okay, we put a pick rail on the front. And but they're they're kind of sitting behind they're 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 falling far farther and farther behind. They do, but they um, have, on you know, you'll never, I don't think you ever beat them at their game though. They, they, they're, no. they, the fanboys, the, 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 the reliability, the history, you know, it's like on a, a Colt. Colt kind of had some issues and kind of let things go. It's, it's the same, but different. Glock's still going strong. They've got a lot of guns. Colt had management things in my opinion that caused them yeah. to have issues, but you, the Colt 1911s, like I mean, that's the that's where it good. Yeah. The, it was the standard for for years and yep. years and years and years. And I think Glock's going to be the standard um, yeah. for years and years and years. All the striker fired polymer pistols out there was at the end of you know as a result of what what they accomplished, and um, they did a real good job. I just I don't think there's a lot of like true cutting edge innovation. This really shown in the last five years in our industry. Um, to be, no, honest, I don't think so. Either. There's nothing that's like blew me. I'm a a gun guy first. You know, I look at, I go around and walk at shot show and look at cool stuff, and I get, you know, product because they know I'm a shooter. I get stuff all the time. Test this, try that. What do you think about this? And while there's a lot of good stuff come out, the club, I mean, to me, if you're wanting to model yourself after a company that's really going after it pretty hard to get stuff to consumers. Other than us, I mean, that's what we're trying to do. We, we're stumbling over our own feet sometimes trying to get uh, stuff for, for the consumer. Um, SIG, you know, they've had some good, they've had a couple of issues here and there, but they're trying. I mean, they're doing, they're, they're the closest thing, I think, right now in the industry to a, as, as a leading innovator. Um, and, and the thing with across, SIG is, you know, I, I like SIG, and, you know, you being an IT guy, you'll know. Mm -hmm. The, the one problem I see with SIG is they're kind of in that whole agile development thing, right? right. We're going to get something out. We're going to get it out quick. Right. And then, you know, what, what the P320 is what in fourth generation already, <laughs> you know, they keep, right. they keep tweaking it as they go. It's like, you know, I get that they want to get something out, but really for me, like a SIG, you, you wait two years. <laughs> Yeah. Before you get it. Well, I mean, unfortunately, we've had that's been tied to us too. I mean, we, we we've had no nobody expects. I'll I'll defend Sig 100 because we've we've had issues like that too with the Gen AKs. We're at Gen our, our Gen generational gap for the AKs a three, but we have a four and a five, which is basically enhancements to the three. There's no we've had not no major you know like metallurgy or forging. None of that's changed since the three. But we did it. We had Gen 1, then we did the castings and whatnot. They had some issues, and we went to the billet, then we went to the, the forgings, and then we changed the forgings from a 3-series to a 4-series metal, and that's it. It's been that way for a while. So I can't really beat them up over it, but there's sure. – I think when, you, when you're when you innovative, you're you're hungry, you're trying to get things out there, you're, you're working through things. Um, and if it's anything like us, the production side – is what typically hits us on the head. Um, when we go into production, we start getting the production parts. That's 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 when we start having headaches. And I'm sure, I don't know anything about SIG internals. 
I yeah. love the our rep to death. I've talked to their sales and marketing. They're huge support with us on the gathering when we do it. Amazing company. I, I, I brag about them all the time. But I can kind of see what, what happened and how it happened there. Um, I know that 320 was a big mess. But then once they got the ship running in the right direction, yep. some of the new stuff that they're coming out, the, the Max, I, I shoot them. I love the Max. I was never a big SIG pistol fan. You know, I, I look at them from afar and I like what they're doing, who they are and, and the innovation they're, they're, yeah. they're going for. But um, I love the, I love the max, you know, it's, it's a great, all the variations of that that's coming out is awesome. I like the way they um, did the serialized <clears throat> receiver kind of thing. Yeah. So you can be modular and, and whatnot. I think that was pretty innovative. Again, took a little while to get it worked out, but it's, it's solid now. Mine, I, that gun's it's as accurate as anything I've ever owned as far as a pistol. Um, and I've just recently picked up a cross because um, the lightweight, nice. you know, they, <clears throat> they're kind of one of the first production um, lightweight, affordable chassis, you know, precision rifles out there. <clears throat> Ruger's got theirs. They're awesome. Um, but the, the cross to me has got a little bit better balance and, we're wanting to do some sniper challenges and I want something I can fold up. It's light and throw in an Eberl stock bag and, and not kill me. Um, sure. Walk up hills. So, I mean, they've, they're, I think they're doing a, a really good job. Some of the smaller companies out there that, that innovate and have products, you know, that that's one thing, but from a big company perspective, they're, they're one of the top five. And um, it, the thing that I say, you know, at least they're trying, you know, they may not get it right the first yeah. time, but they're really trying. It's like we do. We're really trying to innovate. You know, we, we want to get things to the market. We want to see customers happy and, and whatnot. We've gotten a lot better. Um, I argue that with anybody since the AK days. I think Jamin learned some lessons on on that and how we go about testing procedures and, and whatnot. And um, like this 101 and 102, it's we technically we could have sold it. You know, it's the little tweaks that we're doing right now. It's not a big deal, but it's not what our consumers are going to want to expect yeah. if, if certain things happen that, that I found. So we made the decision to keep working through it. So um, we're 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 all learning from each other and we're looking at what each other's doing. And I think we're trying to get better because of it. We just added that direct, um, you know, inline connection to the consumer that a lot of companies don't have. Where yeah. if you've got a bone to pick, you can talk to me or you can talk to Cam, who's on the production floor. You can talk to Josiah. You can talk to Jamie. And you, you know, we'll make changes overnight on something that we see that a, somebody sees that may be a little bit better. They'll email us or text us about it or whatever, what, whatnot. And uh, we'll have a meeting about it the next morning. If we decide that, that change is the right thing to do, we'll do it, test it, do it. And, and go go about our own way. And no other, I don't think any other company does that. I think you know, that once they get a design approved, you know, you fight through it until you sell it and then you can get into another generation when, when all those parts are done. And I've, you know, Jamin scrapped parts that would, if they weren't what the customer wants, if it's something, Hey, if we can get rid of this one part and get something new in here, that's going to make this function better, do it, just scrap it. Just and, get it done. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a different, it's a different mentality, I think, you know, from the rest of the industry, but, it's maddening. Something it's crazy. It'll drive you crazy because we're so fast. I mean, we're we're doing so many things. We got you look at what we're doing. Um, we got the jackal. We got the dagger. We've got yeah. the subcompact dagger coming. We've got the five seven. We're doing one hundred one, one hundred two testing now. The arc, the AR 
AK, the AK that takes the AR magazines, that released, 105's released, we're working on a crank, a spiker. Um, the 103 released last year, the E released last year, the AKV a couple years ago. I mean, and all this is being built. Busy. Yeah, all this sure is being is. built in, in, in our facility at, at production numbers. And um, it's tough. It's it's tough, too, when you have these spikes, these sales uplifts that, that we see to, yeah. to, to stay innovative. And I think a lot of the bigger companies, in my opinion, again, I'm not talking on their behalf. I just, from what I see, some of the bigger companies during COVID and, then, you know, the, the Biden push when he took office and all that, yep. there were so many guns being sold. It's kind of hard to stop production on something that's selling to be innovative and pushing new product. And I think that's where the industry yeah. is at right now. Yeah. Cause, cause that's the whole thing is demand when demand skyrockets, manufacturing has got to, you know, got to right. ramp up and keep up with it. Well, that's all you got. That's, that's all that's happening. I mean, right. Um, we'll go a little bit into the Remington breakup. I mean, you guys ended up with several divisions of the old Remington company. We did. Um, I mean, you, you have the ammo, the ammo thing. Well, you know, everybody knows ammo is a, ammo is a thing right now. Right. Or, you know, it has been for the past couple of years. Well, demand just hit. Yeah. Well, you got to ramp up and then, you know, as you're ramping up, it's, it's machinery stuff. Right? Yeah, the, the ammo thing, the ammo thing. I, I don't like saying it on podcasts. I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Um, I, this this I Russia thing, we haven't seen the impacts of what the sanctions. So I, I was an importer. We were importing. I imported for Jamie and I had some contacts and we started getting tool in two containers at a time, two boats every two weeks, um, several million rounds, you know, each container. And uh, that stopped. When, when they decide to kick the Ukraine in the mouth um, and then sanctions occurred. So there's hundreds of millions of rounds of steel case 223, um, 762, 545, 54, all that stuff's stopped. Yeah. We haven't seen the impact of it yet. Um, don't know what the impact is going to truly be, but eventually that supply is going to dry up. And then, you know, where, where, where you're at, that's why we made the decision when the sanctions, right before sanctions hit, we ordered steel case machinery to come into the AAC um, ammo plant. So that, that's on our projected list to do. We could start doing brass 762. I don't know. I haven't heard. We're doing 300 blackout. It's from a, I guess, from a, a standpoint of machinery, it's really be a die change. If you're a reloader, I am. Yeah, me, I am. You think you just change the dies and go, but it's a little bit different. They use stamp presses and all this, but it, it could be done. Um, we won't let anybody run out of 762 because AKs are very popular for us. But um, yeah. we're our own worst enemy as an industry and a consumer um, when it comes to ammo because we there's the vultures and then there's the hoarders and then there's the consumers. The consumers are always yeah. the one that get, gets hurt from the vultures and the the you know the hoarders. Um, you know when it, when when anything happens, but the vultures, you know, they'll. I, I wanted to so mad when I first started shooting steel challenge, it was right during the, the, the Obama thing, you know, when we, you couldn't, yep. 22 was $150 a, a brick. Yeah. I remember walking up to a gun show table and a guy had 500 bricks of it for $120 a brick. That was $17.99 a month before that. And I know free market consumer, blah, blah, blah. It just, it, it still bothered me that I had yep. a kid that I was going to take shooting. It wasn't for me. It was for him really. 
and I had to pay a hundred dollars for a brick to, to take a kid shooting out. And I don't think we still realize, cause there's a lot of kids that didn't get introduced to firearms because mom and daddy couldn't pay $120 for a brick of 22. I think we're going to see a generational gap that may end up screwing us, you know, later on. That's, that's my true opinion, just based on what I saw when it happened. Um, luckily we've got Johnny Appleseed programs and NRA youth yeah. programs and USS. We're, we're trying to get the scholastic shooting sport program, which we, we spend a lot of time with. We're trying to get new kids into it, but there was a gap there where kids weren't being introduced to firearms and, those kids are going to grow up and be legislators and, and voters one day. So I don't know. That's a little side well, I, note. I, I remember during that whole thing, um, you know, my in-laws came out and I took my father-in-law to the range mm -hmm. and there just happened to have been, um, I think it was a steel challenge match at the range that day. And then we were just off to the side in a bay that wasn't being used. And then, you know, people are parking everywhere trying to, go to the match right and we're over there shooting 22s and every everybody's like looking at us my father-in-law's like why is everybody looking at us i go they, they think we're rich so what do you mean you think we're rich I go, we're over here shooting 22s goes, <laughs> yeah. 22 is the cheapest ammo i go you can't yeah. buy it right now i mean like it's sold out everywhere yes, and when gold. you can it's at stupid prices he's like no 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 he goes, you can buy it at Walmart. So on our way back from the range, I stopped by Walmart. And he's just like, oh, my. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's why everybody was looking at us so crazy because we're over there. You know, we were like pissing away 22, like like it's, you know, the 4th of July. Yep. And uh, he's just like, that's when he, you know, because he's not he's not really a shooter. I mean, he shot when he was a kid and stuff like that. Right, but sure. He he had no idea. I'm it's, like, it's yeah. Bad. It's, it, was, it was really bad. It was right before I got in the industry, and it was it was tough. I mean, you couldn't. I mean, it's like primers now. You can't. Yeah. Primers don't exist. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's getting tough. It's getting it's getting tough. To, oh, here they're starting to show up a little bit, but at some places where you used to be able to buy a thousand a shot, now it's down to two hundred. Two hundred. And and I was I, I was just talking to this uh, yesterday with uh, my uh, the other. My buddy is also a um, content creator, and he was telling me it was you know you could buy a, you could buy them there two hundred. I'm like, man, it's barely worth the gas for me to drive into town now. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to go drive into town for two hundred primers. No, um, no, neither. And they do that for two reasons. I know people get mad at it, but I've, I've been on both sides of it. It's like I want to use. I need a thousand. Let me buy a thousand. Let me buy five thousand. The other side of that is people buy five thousand again. The vultures, the hoarders, the consumers. Um, the, the first two screw the, the third and, uh, yep. the hoarders get them and they don't ever use them. And then the vultures get them and sell them at a, at a, a gun show for $20 a hundred or something. It, it, yeah. it, 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 it's just perpetuating the problem. So the, the retail yeah. stores and the managers that they're trying to limit it to really protect the supply, you know, from the demand. If you think about it, I mean, they want you to have yeah. 200 if you can get them. They don't want somebody to buy five thousand and turn around and sell them at a gun store for a gun show for hundred dollars a piece. Yeah, so, yeah, I, that's I get it, both sides of it. I, a consumer, I'm, I'm mad. On the other side of it, from a store owner, I'm just trying to look out for my my my. my yeah, no, I I get it too because I mean, you know, I used to I, I haven't shot competition in a couple of years now, but um, you know, that's the only way I could keep. Yeah, you know, that's the only way I keep the slide running on my pistol. Right is is to reload, 
Right. Um, you know, plus I got to feed my gun, plus my wife's gun, she shoots. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, for us to go out to the range, we're looking at, God, you know, a couple thousand rounds a trip right. that we're shooting. We still have um, some consistent supply um, of primers. We On the ammunition manufacturing facility, we got contracts with people and that kind of thing. But like as far as consumer, those, and believe it or not, there's like the powder you use that you buy from your, your store it in the same powders. Some can yeah. be, most of them are not, but the same, the, the powders you use in manufacturing is different than the store-bought canister powders. The primers are a little bit different too. Um, some are, some aren't, some are identical, some have different levels, but we're not seeing consumer packaged primers frequently at all. Yeah. If any. So Now, you know, your, your company is... What I like to say, you're becoming the one-stop shop for all your gun needs. Mm -hmm. um, you know, before it was, hey, you want an AK, you want an AR, go to Palmetto. Mm -hmm. Now I can go there and buy a SIG. Um, I can buy gun parts. I can buy that, tools. That's the way they started. So that's the way PSA started. They started with the ammo, then they went into parts, then they went into other people's guns. And, and linearly, you know, right beside each that other people's guns we, we were selling the psa uppers and and that kind of thing so we, the online retail space psa was really a, supposed to be a retail company e-commerce retail right. company that was their that was their bread and butter focus and then somewhere behind the scenes and in, in the back doors and the back rooms assemblers and manufacturing up. company yeah. with a retail front now, yes now we're a bigger manufacturing company than we are e-commerce company we've actually I, I joke around we've actually become more of an ak company than we have an ar company our ak's are compared in some groups as you know to some of the russian counterparts as far as reliability and things are concerned now um with with what all we've done and the innovation we put in the parts and in engineering but um people oftentimes brag as much or more about the ak's than they do the ars um because the the, the average consumer, you got your connoisseurs and then or your elites, and then you got your normal guys. Can't really listen to the elites because it doesn't matter. You're never going to make them happy. The normal guys wanted a AK that was affordable, that shot well, that that ran and and was something they could still get because it's there's you can't get them anymore. It's it's not if you want the look yeah. and, and the feel and you enjoy that platform, you're not they're drying up. The kits are drying up. I had, I haven't personally imported a kit in probably eight months. So. Um. Well, it's funny because, you know, for me, I had my first AK. It was a, it was a Mahdi. I got back in the nineties back mm -hmm. when um, the, you know, the Clintons were trying to ban everything. Right. Got that gun because it was the closest thing to a Russian that you could get. It was the biggest POS that I have ever had. Um, and I still got that gun today. Uh, I, I put a, I had to put a lot of work to get that gun running. Um, I remember when I first met Josiah. Uh, that's when the GF3 came out. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you want to try out a GF3? And I'm just like, I don't know, man. I really don't like AKs. And he sent me that GF3. I took it to the range and I started shooting it. Then I started shooting it more. Mm -hmm. Then I started shooting it more. And... Uh, Eventually, I got to the point where I was like, okay, I got to create a video. So I did, you know, I did the video for it. And then um, I sent Josiah the email going, 
how much would it cost me to not send this rifle back? You want to buy it, huh? I, I, he get, yeah, we got on the phone. He had my credit card number. <laughs> I just, I just flat out, I didn't want to send the gun back. I just bought it. And, um, you know, that converted me. I still take that gun out and shoot it. You know, I just took it out not that long ago. Um, and I like, okay, maybe I am an AK guy. And I remember, you know, when that came out and I, I was writing some stuff out on, on boards and like, you know, like you said, the elites, they're like, it's crap unless it's a, you know, Yugoslavian or a Russian or this or that. And then all of a sudden the reviews from, you know, the big AK people coming in going, Hey, here's the, here's the 5,000 round review. Uh, this is a real thing. Now everybody's like, Ooh, I'm like, Oh, well, yeah. Kind of like I've been telling you all along is they, 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 they're onto something here. Right. Yeah. The GF three was kind of the, that was the flagship. My personal gun is a X show GB two. Um, and I've shot it a ton. It, it, I shot it this year at AK masters. Again, I had it brought in, redid the trigger and cleaned it up and changed the handguard and whatnot. And she's still going as strong as she was whenever it was built, you know, whatever it was four or five years ago. So, um, from some, from the midpoint of two till now we've, we've, rectified a lot of those and the biggest thing was the cast trunnions i mean don't yep. get me wrong there was a there was a time when everybody thought castings were just as good strong strength wise and all that and a lot of american companies jumped on the castings because they didn't have forging houses that could forge the trunnions and it, it, i see where they were going with it but at the end of the day the russians never did it and you was never going to win that casting battle like i think now that if you really wanted to do it you could probably perfect the casting um with a lot of even uh aircraft high pressure components are casted you know now with yeah. the, the modern you know modern technology and and stuff's out there but i wouldn't recommend anybody touching it with 10 foot pole the, the word cast and ak can never coincide in yeah. ak ever again so it's just it's it's not it's that it's water under the bridge not even worth doing it but i think as times progress i you know it everything gets better over time technology advances yeah. needs and, and that kind of thing so but we've we're standardized the only thing we've done to our trunnion since the, we went from the three to the four series um steel which the four series steel people say it's a, a marketing term but it's um it's aircraft quality steel that's that's the the genetic makeup that's what you order um because it's used in airspace it has to have certain yeah. metallurgical certain restrictions that makes yeah. it it's purity. It's like ordering Carpenter 158 steel. Um, our 4140 aircraft quality uh, material is just that. You, if you don't, you don't get the same uh, metal structure. So we got repeatable metal structure. And we spend a little bit more on the trunnions to be able to have consistency um, from lot to lot based on our manufacturing needs. Now, one of the greatest things that I like is, you know, like you said, you you know, you had some problems in, in the first couple, but you have a lifetime warranty on those guns. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we, we if somebody to, had a problem, you're going to warranty that gun. So, yeah, 100 percent. We, we we used to be really selective. Um, it was conditional. Like if you did this and didn't do that, and if it was a lifetime warranty for materials and manufacturing, manufacturers flaws. Um, 
we've relaxed it a lot just just to be good gun guys right if you know you you screw up your barrel nut you call in you talk to us the right way a lot of times we'll send you a barrel nut you know or, or we'll send it back in and we'll finish it for you or whatever if we're you know if we're not not in peak times too if we need to help somebody out we don't charge for that you know so i mean we we've gotten more customer friendly as a company too the last you know seven or eight years we were kind of like you know if you over torqued or stripped your barrel nut or whatever while you're trying to take it off to change you're on your own so to speak um and here the last that's, probably, that's a bigger thing. company now and you could afford that too yeah right it's be. understandable but uh, you know okay. i know from my perspective i want to if i'm doing something on monday or tuesday just to get ready for shooting on saturday my shootings matches somebody else may be shooting beer cans whatever it is or spending time with their kid or their brother sister uncle cousin whatever um it's important to me that that person get to go do what he wants to do so if you do make a screw up and you call and say hey man i screwed up i need a barrel nut what do you charge me it's easier for me just to put it in the mail and send it to you than have to take two dollar credit card yeah. but it's, it's not it's kind of like i love dylan reloading presses there are no yeah. bs warranty that's kind of what we've went to to a certain degree now if you call and raise cane and we blew your we blew your gun up and yeah. you're going to threaten us and everything else and we get it back and it's got a 300 blackout and a 556 barrel you know it, well it's that, funny that, you, that, you that's bring not up presence. right um because that's what I was thinking about on your warranty when we were talking about that is I was thinking of the Dillon warranty because I have a Dillon. There's a Dillon 650 sitting over there that um, I had a 550 for years and I upgraded to 650. Like I've, I, um, I, it was, I, I admit it. I, I got on the phone. It was a Saturday. I called them up and going, Hey, you know, I was, um, I was changing the power powder load on this load. I was, I was not paying attention and I broke the screw off in the, in the powder yep. charge, charge because I was turning the wrong way, thinking I was going the opposite way. And yep. then, um, I overtorqued it and it broke, you know, I can't find the part on your website, you know, Hey, you know, I just, I just need to buy one. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay. And it's this, that, and the other. And, and, um, he's like, is there anything else? And well, well, Hey, you know, the one thing is annoying on this press is this. And, he taught me how to fix it right on the phone. He goes, anything else? I'm like, no, that's it. And he goes, okay. I'm like, uh, you want my credit card number? Nope. Nope. We're just going to send, we're just going to send it to you. Yeah. I'm like, but I broke that. I, I, I have no problems with paying for it. And he goes, no, we're just going to send it to you. It, it's good. Yeah. They, they set the standard in that, that marketplace to be honest. Cause the other guys are doing it too. Now I've, we got a great relationship with Hornady. Last time I called them, I had an issue. I've got, two LNLAPs and um, I, I've used the nine millimeter when I've got set up so much that it broke the, the, the piston head and they, they sent me a new one. Didn't really ask questions or whatever. It was like, you're using that thing enough to break that. We'll send you another one, you know? So yeah, um, I, I think everybody, the consumers want friendly companies. And if you start setting hard lines, um, they're not going to be your, yeah. your they're not going to be your repeat customers and, and putting lines in the sands doing nothing but hurting you for future purchases. You don't want to, you look at data, you don't want to turn away a customer that spent $20,000 with you over a $15 detent or, 
yeah. safety or what you know whatever it's not it's it's not worth the loss of potential revenue or the loss of the consumer not being happy or the fact that it's going to screw his saturday up i mean it's yeah it's it's not it's not a it's, it's to us it's just not something we want to do and we change a lot of those policies every now and then you know training new reps or whatever they may make a mistake say something we try to correct it but for the most part you'll see um the the comments you know coming in from customer service is a lot better you know than than, than they've ever been because of that we've relaxed a lot of it and that's driven based off of internally you know how we feel about engaging with the customers and making sure the customers are happy now i know we've been recording here for uh just a little over an hour and i know you're busy and it's a friday sure um, so uh wrap up with a couple of things here okay. uh what's the future for psa i mean you have all these other you know the the remington companies you know you have storm lake barrels and stuff like that coming in something's got to be in the works oh uh, yeah there's a lot um you got H and R. We we acquired through Remington, so there's going to be a whole retro line um, awesome. coming for it. The the um, DPMS has gotten revived. We're using DPMS as kind of our dealer program rifle, if you will. Um, our dealer sales. A lot of times, PSA competes with dealer sales internally with our dealers because we'll if we've got liquidation quantities will sell below what the dealer sales guys sold it, yep. you know, before. And it's just, it's, it's part of keeping the machines running and how we do business. So what we did is we revived the DPMS line to be able to be a, um, a sovereign nation, if you will, as far as pricing wars and um, DPMS can go out to the dealers and we're not going to adjust pricing. It's not on PSA's website, really. Um, it's just not something, you know, we're not, we're, we're getting out of that bid war. So DPMS is revived. AAC is going to continue to get bigger. Um, the ammo part yep. of AAC, it'll continue to expand. That facility is beautiful. If you ever get a chance to come out and have Josiah do a tour, do it. Um, that that's top notch, you know, everything's brand new state of the art, everything. Uh, just, I can't brag on that plan enough for them. Um, they're doing a great job over there. They're getting into 77 OTMs now with 50, um, with a 223 and 556. We got 115, 124, 147s coming in 9mm. Um, yeah. We're already talking about the 6.5 Creedmoor. We're talking about 300 Blackout. Um, there's like a laundry list of calibers that will expand there. There's more machinery coming. There's steel case coming. We're going to do uh, both 7.62 and 5.45 eventually um, as far as ammo over there. Um, let's see, we got, we're talking bolt guns already, um, both in the lead awesome. store. It's kind of like a high end, uh, competition, ready to go rifle. H and R would have a, a wooden, you know, traditional kind of like a, a field grade type bolt like gun. Hunting rifle. Yep. Hunting rifle, you know, real pretty wood stocks and that kind of thing. And then have a polymer version, you know, for PSA is just a, you know, good, better, best, yeah. but type scenario sure. um there's a lot there's a whole board of guns um that jamin has you know in a room upstairs at, at the corporate office that we're wanting to copy or make clones of or, or innovate and create new there's 150 or so guns on there um the ak line just about every ak that, that's out there every variant 
you know, we're wanting to do, including the shotgun. Um, it's just that that takes time. The the AKs because you're looking at cast parts, you're looking at forged parts, you're looking at. I mean, there are cast parts like the, the front sight base and stuff like stuff that doesn't matter, you know, at, at ignition. But all that stuff has to be tooled up for and changed. There's just little variations, like in between the spiker and the, the all the different variants of 45, 90 degree uh, gas blocks. Yada yada yada. All that stuff has to be tooled up for and redone. So it's not something that you can get to market quick. Um, but all that's up for grabs on that list. And then the pistol line, I almost see the pistol line turning into its own company, to be honest with you. Wow. Um, it's kind of like Chevrolet did the Camaro, Ford did the Mustang. Yep. They have their own company now. You don't see Ford badges on the Mustang, just like you don't yeah. see Chevrolet badges anymore on the Corvettes. They, they're their own entity because they support yep. themselves. They're different. And I think this handgun situation, we didn't, we never, we knew the dagger was going to be a hit. We knew it was going to sell well. We didn't realize it was going to be received as good as it was that quick. And um, I see it kind of being its own, own thing. And then the Jackal, you know, it, it, it'll end up being all types of sub variants. I want a nine millimeter version of it um, just so you can get away from buffer tubes and, and that kind of thing. It gives sure. a bit more flexibility and the recoil profile will be different. So yeah, there, there's a ton and that's just a like a swipe at me not being prepared to answer that question of things that's in my head no, right now that basically we're working on. Basically, hang on because it's going to be a wild ride. There's going to be a lot of stuff, and we're we're getting away from the let's call it the PA five announce and not deliver situation. <laughs> um, if you look at the last two shot shows, the things that we talked about have, have pretty much come to fruition. It may not be the exact month that we said we were predicting, but if you look at the stuff right. that we're bringing to shot shows, those things have came out typically within the calendar year of the shot show being the next benchmark. Right. Um, we've had some carryover, but we've also had some things that we felt would need to go in place of the things that we were going to, we're going to release like the whole 100 series. We released a lot of that. We talked about it. We talked about the spiker, but because of spikers variations in the way the, the color, if you remember the old spikers, the, the furniture is different. It's got that mm -hmm. real blonde vanilla look. Um, the finish is different. That, that stuff isn't easy to, to copy. So we were knocking out some of the low hanging fruit while they were developing, developing that gun. So you'll see some hangover from shot show to shot show, but nothing like we've done in the past where we show guns that just don't even ever make it to market. Um, most of the guns, yeah, the, yeah, which I, I don't, I don't like that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't. If I'm going to dedicate a lot of time talking about a platform all day long for a week, um, we need to have some type of plan to release it within the next twelve months because consumers want it. I mean, they're they're going to tag you in every post until it comes out. Yeah, I, I know because when when the dagger was coming out, I was I was teasing Josiah on emails, mm -hmm. you know, because because it, it kept on. It, it's like, it, okay, you've you've been teasing this long enough. Where where is it? Yeah, and that was a it, that was an unfortunate um, show of events that that caused the delay in the release yeah. of that. And then we did an early release and had to make some changes to it and whatnot. It just <clears throat> each one of those things was a lesson learned, and you know, we haven't had anything to that level since the dagger and you know knock on wood there's no intention to ever do that again yeah 
So, all right, let's uh, start wrapping up so that way you can get on to business here. Uh, sure. I like to wrap up with everybody with a speed round. So, real simple. It's, I give you two choices. Just tell me which one you'd, you'd choose. Oh, a game. Okay, cool. So, yeah, <laughs> just a game. Just to, just to loosen all right. up. All right. Rifle or pistol? Rifle. Now. Indoor or, <laughs> indoor or outdoor range? Oh, outdoor. Gas piston or direct impingement? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Earplugs or headgear? Earplugs. Would you rather clean a gun or reload ammo? Reload. And for the final one, if you could only keep one PSA product and have to get rid of every other one, which one would you keep? My PSA custom five or my PSA custom billet receiver set that I use in DMR. Um, that gun is just, it. You, <laughs> I can't, I wish I could take you shooting. Cause if I said it on video, people's going to call me liars. I have spotters that can prove it. It's it, it, that gun is phenomenal. It's built. I, I would give away everything I've got. Probably most of my collection to keep that gun. If I had to. Wow, that is a, that is a true statement. That's a that's impressive right there. Yep, that is a so, four MOA gun all day long. It's a it's just it's it's for a five a seven. The load does it, but I've had spotters at five hundred yards watch me do less than one and a half inch groups repetitively with that gun at the, wow. at, at the Clinton House and Sawmill. So I mean, I, and that th these aren't just like your buddies kicking cans. There's <laughs> there's legit spotters that train at the sawmill and Clinton house. It's with their mouse like this. I don't have any other ones like that. I've got some under, you know, under ones at a hundred and some two, three MOA at fives, but that gun's sub MOA all day long for a five, five, six gas gun. I, there's very few of them out there. And that I would, I'll hand pass by guns to get that one. <laughs> you need you need to do a video where you like have uh, a camera on you, a camera mm -hmm. on the on the target, target, and then a reaction camera on your spotter. Yeah, Saxon and I we, we talked about doing that. He we, we we're big into high end barrels and stuff, and you know it, it was this gun was a it was well, for whatever reason the right components fell together, and it was it's really an anomaly. I I, I don't care who you are in the AR game. Very rarely are you going to get all the right components to do sub MOA or MOA at yeah. 500 yards. I mean, these things, this, I got like a two inch, two and two and three, 2.3 inch group at 500 yards with wow. five, just a five shot group. I mean, that's people can debate that all they want to, but if you can get five consistent shots under three inches at 500 yards, that gun is as that's good as it's ever really going to be, you know. Yeah. It scares me every time I pull the trigger because the barrel wearing out, but. Um, <laughs> it's reserved for matches only. I actually built a trainer gun that looks and weighs the same weight, so I don't put rounds on that gun. <laughs> so you, you save the life of that one. I save the uh, life of that one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Awesome. Well, for everybody that's watching or listening, I will have all the links in the description down below that you can get to Palmoto and their social media. So that way you can see the products and, and see what's going on over there. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Chad, thank you so much for taking time. I know you've had 
a, a hellacious week this week with the 101 and 102. And I oh, do yeah, appreciate we've had all kinds of things. It's just it's, it's the way it goes. You know, I like doing them during the day because it gives you a little bit of a break anyway. But um, I'm glad to be here. Glad I could support your people and, and talk to you and, and uh, glad to be on your channel. I was really lucky to get this interview in with Chad. We were originally going to record this a few days earlier, but they were running into a problem trying to get the 101 and 102 rifles out. And you heard that on the podcast is that they were trying to do that. And then all day on Friday, he was at the range trying to work out, you know, issues with this rifle that that way they can start production. Now he took some time out of his day where they were working on that rifle to talk to us. And I'm really, really thankful that he could join me. I learned so much from Chad. I really did. The before chat, I had a good time with him and the after chat, it was just a great time. And, and honestly, you know, we don't think about manufacturing firearms and he kind of, you know, lifted that, that hood a little bit so we could see about making guns. I mean, he's, they're trying to make some of these guns where there's no diagrams, you know, they're trying to, to work things out. And of course they're bringing out new products. I really, really like Palmetto State Armory. Um, as you heard in the podcast, my whole love for the AK came out of the GF3. I hated AKs before I had that rifle. I really liked it. And um, I love shooting that rifle. Definitely go check out Palmetto State Armory. They are becoming one-stop shopping. I mean, if you want ammo, you want a gun, even if it's not one of their guns, you want a SIG or some, somebody else's gun, you can get it there. Go to Palmetto State Armory, check them out. I have the links down below. Thanks for listening. Hope you're staying safe out there. Look forward to talking to you again soon.